0: everyone and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud About Film. We are on our 25th episode. It's the 15th context surrounding Hu Shan films. This one is probably one of the most appropriate and apt because it really is a comparison and a context to films that Hu Shan was doing in 1983. And the film is called Growing Up and it's uh, directed by Shan Kun Hu. Whom I've never heard of before, had you written.
1: I, I hadn't. So he's directed fourteen films, but he was cinematographer on a whole bunch of Ho Shao Shen films. So from Cute Girl, Cheerful Wind, Green Green Grass of Home, The Sandwich Man, Boys from Feng Kui, Summer at Grandpa's. So that's very interesting. particularly because this film was written by Ho Xiao Shen and Chu Tian Wen, who was the who still is his, his regular co-writer, and who also co-wrote Boys in Front Kway, Summer at Grandpa's, Time to Live, Time to Die. And this was their first collaboration. So it's, it's very, very interesting in the context of those films.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting in the context of new t- Taiwanese cinema, because even though I still don't know their names, and I apologize, they're difficult to find in English, but you begin to see recurring characters. Yeah, you, know, you begin to recognize faces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the young chubby boy that you see in early Hu Shao films reappears. The teenager, I think. Is he one of the boys from he, he He boy? is. I remember you telling me after you had seen it how much you'd liked it. And I saw it and, and I thought, well, I can understand. It's a very... It's a very likable film, and unlike some of the Edward Young films and some of the Hu Shao Shen films, where they're great, but sometimes I have to pause, yeah, and, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of demanding films that require thought. This one, it's almost like I didn't want to miss a moment, yeah? It's a, it grabs you narratively, but I thought it was nowhere near as good as any of the no,
1: others. No, it's a perfectly professionally made, competent film, let's say, but there's nothing... To excite you about the way it's directed. Yeah,
0: the, it's a TV movie level, so it's pretty big. Yeah, 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 uh,
1: yeah. Because I found some of the interiors looked pretty unconvincingly. You know, the they were kind of the house was clearly a studio set, and you could tell it was a studio set. You know, it was just the way it was lit, the way that the, the you know exteriors were filmed. There's nothing particularly exciting, but I did find the odd odd shots where you thought, "Oh, that looks like a shot from a Shan film," and then when you realise afterwards, okay, the guy was his his cinematographer.
0: Um, but that said, I thought, you know, that brought up really interesting issues about, you know, the, the relationships between directors and cinematographers because visually it's nowhere near as interesting as a Hu Hsiao Shen film, right? And I think part of the reason why is because, you know, it's not enough to have like a dazzling image, which actually there are very few of in this film. There, there are a couple, you know, the shot where the boys see the other boys to start the fight, and they're on different levels, and it's done from way overhead. is interesting, but you realize that, of course, you know that kind of the visuals have to be in the service of the story, yeah. And the storytelling, and in fact, I would argue the story itself is uh, quite substandard.
1: Well, it it feels. I mean, we'll talk a bit about the story in a second, but it feels felt to me like a bit of a first draft of three Ho films. So yes. the, 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 the first section, the childhood section, is kind of um, somewhat like grandpa's bit of Time to Live and a Time to Die. The the, the middle section, the teenage years, is very much like Boys and Fun Kwe. And it's all yes. it almost felt like they'd expanded that, you know, the same two writers had expanded that that 40 minute section into the full film Boys and Fon Kwe. Um, it also has similarities with Time to Live and a Time to Die which is not, you know, it's not surprising that it has those similarities because it's based on, you know, it's a coming of age story written by those people who wrote Time to Live and Time to Die about their own childhoods. Yeah, you know, part of me watching this film was thinking, you know, I wish Ho Sha Shen had actually directed, directed this. But on the other <laughs> hand, if he directed it, he might not have directed *Boys and Feng Kui, which I think, and, you know, I think this would never have been as good as Boyzhen Fung Kui. But the other thing that's interesting is I I presume this is a very well-known and popular film in Taiwan because it's one that is heavily exerted in both of those documentaries we've watched about New Taiwanese cinema.
0: Wiki only has a paragraph on it, but one of the things that it does say is that the, the star, the teenage boy, who became a pop sensation in Taiwan, and also that the film was chosen to represent Taiwan at the Oscars as best foreign film. It wasn't chosen but it it was Taiwan chosen as its representative film of the year as its best film of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: tonally it's a bit odd because it takes a, it's mostly a very entertaining film and you know, very very common, amusing incidents happening then it takes this very dark turn in the last 20 minutes or so which doesn't really work. What it does have that none of the other New Taiwanese cinema films have, and none of the subsequent Hao Shen films had, but all his earlier ones had, is this musical interlude. Firstly, there's a scene where they're listening to some cheesy 1970s pop music made, made by a guy from Birmingham, which is interesting. Um, I remember
0: that song. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: very. Well, I looked Sunday
0: at, morning. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was apparently um,
1: the most popular song of the most popular foreign song in japan of the 1970s apparently and so presumably it's very popular in taiwan too but then immediately after that there's this kind of musical montage where there's a a taiwanese pop song on the soundtrack while various amusing things happen to the characters so it's so again it harks back to to you know cute girl in green green grass so it's almost like trying to use some of the ideas and some of the settings of of the new taiwanese cinema but doing it in the style of those old style romantic comedies Um, so it's an odd transition i think
0: before we get into more specifics why don't you tell us a story in a nutshell
1: it's about a boy growing up and that's hence the title <laughs> um so it's this young young <laughs> this, So <laughs> you can do better than okay. that <laughs> so it's so a young, young boy it's starting the film he's about he's about 10 he's son of a single mother who's been a, a bar hostess or whatever and she gets married to a much older guy in order to give the, the make the son legitimate and give him a name it doesn't go in the direction you expect because actually the husband is really nice, <laughs> um, yes. and uh, so they, they get they then go on to have two more children uh, between the, the married couple. The the illegitimate son is treated exactly the same and in some ways better than the other two kids. So you you get the first forty minutes, or you know, very he gets into various childhood scrapes, and some of them are very reminiscent of the other films. Then about forty minutes in, it moves on to his teenage years, and he becomes a bit of a away, gets involved in in fights, gets involved in gangs, takes a very tragic turn um, towards the end of that section, which is a bit unexpected. The final, really quite brief coda almost is, is him as an adult and he comes back for, for a class reunion. And all, all of this is kind of observed by the girl next door who she wears glasses and she's hopelessly in love with him and, and um, she narrates the film.
0: I really like the first part, partly because of what you say. You know, you expect the film to turn dour and to be about abuse or something, you know, the evil stepfather comes in. And in fact, you know, I thought it was so unusual and interesting, you know, that uh, the stepfather is really nice. He really makes an effort. He treats the child well. Yeah, that it's in a way uh, what you're seeing is, you know, the psychology of the child. I also initially thought, okay, in terms of shots and, you know, and so on, the film is not that interesting. But... A director is also judged by what actors do for them, and the whole first part, yeah, the the children were so marvelous. Uh, yeah, you know that, which is interesting.
1: because the, the say, you can say the same about the things like Green Green Grass of Home and, and Summer at Grandpa's. Uh, maybe it's just that all time these children are very very good actors, but it just seems unlikely. But it but it's interesting that the multiple directors have managed to get very good performances from very young children.
0: Well, that was that was going to be my point uh, uh, that, you know, at the beginning you think that and then you see what he does with the older actors and with a teenager and you think, actually, he's not that good. It's the children that are good. Right? Like, uh, you know, it's actually not his direction because if he were a better director of actors, he would have gotten just as interesting performances out of the older people who, in fact, you would expect to be in a better position to deliver good performances. And the, the, the
1: yeah, because the teenage, as we said, the lead teenage boy is is in boys and from and he's much better in yes. boys from so, yeah.
0: yeah i mean he's a real blank here actually those first scenes had a real charm i thought about you know about education about kind of being oneself about about just you know the observation of uh you know childhood way of life with the marbles and the comic books and the you know the petty theft and the scrapes and the relations at school. I thought all of that was really uh, quite wonderful. So the whole first part of the film I really loved. When the when the child begins to be delinquent and that just narratively did not make sense. It, you know? it's,
1: odd, it's odd, isn't it? Because he sort of initially he's, he becomes delinquent. And he's, you know, he's he's doing badly at school. He's behaving badly at school. He's he's playing quite cruel tricks on people. Then it's like he's going to get expelled, and and the father persuades the school to give him another chance. And so he then, you know, gets made I don't know pre- a prefect or whatever whatever the equivalent is, and then becomes really well behaved briefly. And there's, there's this lovely scene where he's doing military drill with the two two younger boys which is also used in, in both those documentaries but then he suddenly gets involved in gangs again and, and gets involved in this very sort of violent gang fight which is re- it's a really odd tonal shift because up to that point he's been quite
0: light-hearted and then there's this kind of really graphic fight with a with a stabbing it doesn't make sense also because so many things get not only unresolved but even just dealt with in an ambiguous way i mean so for example uh The big, the first big thing is the stealing of the comic books, right, which shocks everybody and which his mother beats him up fiercely, you know, and then you find out that he didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you think, okay, well, that should lead to something that should lead to some response from the mother or the parents or right. No. And actually, you get the feeling that he takes the blame for a lot of things that are not his fault. Right. You know. And you, th- and you think why, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it just doesn't make sense. Because this is
1: also what happens. Because what happens with the yeah you know, with the gang fight his, you know, one of the friends gets stabbed and they take him to hospital and he's going to need a blood transfusion and they have to pay for the blood, so he's he steals a large amount of money from his parents to to by pay the blood. blood. And then you know the parents realize he's stolen the money, but he doesn't. I mean, clearly, okay, it's not a great thing to say. Oh well, me and me and, and, and the friend got in a gang fight but he doesn't explain you know he, he he doesn't say this is what I did this is why I did it I
0: mean it, it's, that's it's, really a failure of the screenplay because those things have to be dramatized right and you need a greater resolution than that like you know at some I, also it's a small town right so you think at some point the parents do know that this is what happened right so why yeah why is the is the audience removed from that kind of dramatization or exploration of those issues
1: it's interesting that in because in the in the later films uh, not so much portion Fong quay but but things like dust in the wind and *Times to live time to die same writers obviously um a lot is not explained you know, there's a lot of en- enigmas and you have to piece it. but in those films things are left unsaid and you kind of piece it together afterwards and it yes. does make sense whereas in, as you say with this it's not told in that way. It's told in a very linear way. It's told it does explain things, but it doesn't, doesn't explain things satisfactorily. The, the other thing I thought about that was because the, there's elements of it are, have, have narration by the girl next door, which sometimes happens. And sometimes he, for, for like a long period, it happens a lot in the, in the childhood sequences. And then it's, it's kind of forgotten about in the teenage years. And then it happens again at the end, but it, it's all these bits where suddenly the voiceover will happen and will kind of explain all the family relationships it's and so such... on. And it's, Pretty it's, clunky, and I, I think you kind of get the impression that what what Ho did later is perhaps there was supposed to be narration in *Times of Living*, *Times of Death*, and he just took it out. He said, I'm, "I'm not going to explain it; people will work out what's going on," and, and you do work out what's going on.
0: It's very poor storytelling here, though, because I think when Hu Xiaoshan does it, it's elliptical and ambiguous, and you know, it gives the audience enough tools to make sense of things and actually even to go further and to go into a greater depth in things. This just cuts you off, and it's not the same thing.
1: But it's interesting because you say when Hosheshan does it, but this is, yeah, he did write this, so... Um, well, but he
0: didn't direct it. No, so no, no. well, maybe, yeah. maybe
1: that's it. And, and I, you also wonder, I mean, when you look at what he was doing, so around sort of 82, 83, 84, he directed... Okay, so, yeah, Green Green Grass of Home is, is 82, then he does The Sandwich Man and Boys from Fun Quay. He directs in 83. He also writes this one. He also acts in That Day on the Beach. So it was kind of, you know, it's kind of a, an incredible amount to do in, in one year. In one year. And you, you do yes. wonder whether, whether this, was, this is like a first draft.
0: and. No, I mean, you know, I think you can't blame him or, you know, in some ways credit him because, you know, a screenwriter has only so much power. You know, to do or to shape things. In fact, he's a co screenwriter, isn't he? So, you know, you can't even tell which are his contributions and which aren't. That kind of clunky narration, yeah, let's be clear, we have never seen in a Hu Shen film, right? It's not only clunky, but it's of the utmost banality. That scene where the mother uh, says, You know, I fell in love with an executive, but he was married and I had a child and I tried to commit suicide and then I became a bar girl. (laughs) I mean, that's a whole B movie in three sentences. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it doesn't feed properly because like the whole film doesn't make sense. Because what happens at the end, spoiler alert, is the mother commits suicide and you think so here are two suicides, one just before the baby was born and one now you think why would a woman who's got two other children two young children commit suicide over this? I mean, it just it doesn't yeah, that didn't make it any sense. It doesn't make at sense all. at yeah.
1: all. It's, it's it's yeah. stupid. ho Ho, ho was also the producer of this. So he he's right. kind, he's right. kind of he, you know, he was yeah. who knows what, what what his role actually was. I I I was wondering, I mean, this slightly slightly cynical view <laughs> is you've got all these filmmakers and you've got the uh, what was it called, well, whatever it was called, the Central Motion Picture Committee or, or whatever, who's trying to set up this new Taiwanese cinema. I imagine there were probably government grants and government funding on offer. And so it's kind of like, OK, how many films can we get made in the next two years while this money's floating around? Um, and well, that's why those that. things happen.
0: No, well, I, maybe, but not necessarily. I mean, you often have in um, cycles of waves you know where actually people just do help each other out they just coll- they do just collaborate and they want other projects to be done you know and they have ideas and styles that they want to put forward i mean you see that in the french new wave where goddard is collaborating with agnes Varda and you know and Truffaut and so on i mean that you know the, i don't think it needs to be cynical right it doesn't need to be about money in fact it often isn't about money uh so uh but uh, part of that is also it's somebody else's film. So I do think, you know, the extent to which we credit or blame Hu Shen for this, I mean, and actually, I think in the light of the evidence that things like that are not seen anywhere else in his films, I don't think he should take the blame, uh, uh, you know. So that voiceover narration is atrocious. It's really just bad cinematic storytelling. You can't tell it visually. Or dramatically, so you just add on a layer of voiceover, like a lecture. This is what happened. <laughs>
1: yeah, may well have been a kind of. I'm sure they weren't doing test screenings, but you know, you make the film and realize, oh, hang on, this doesn't, this doesn't quite hang together. So let's explain it. Um, as we said, it's a very enjoyable film. It's not a great film, but it's very. I think it's very interesting in the kind of whole context of where it sits in that cycle of films. I think it's a bit of a missing link.
0: And let's dwell on that some more. So, you know, now that we've established that it's not a great film and it's nowhere near the work of Edward Yang or Hu Shen, but now let's focus on what is good about it because I don't want to minimize that. It was very enjoyable to watch and I thought it was very interesting and I think it evoked a way of life, you know, kind of that is valuable and that you think you know, might be true. Yeah, might be reflective. Of yeah,
1: I I, th- I think you're right. And you you see a lot of the things that we've seen in, in 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 the other films, but it kind of reinforces that the what the s- society is like and all, all the stuff about the yeah you know, the military. Because I mean, clearly, you know, clearly it's, it feels like the the children's u- school uniforms are quite militaristic, even even the very small children, um, and the, you know doing doing the the kind of military drill in the morning with the brothers and that kind of thing, and you know the you know going off to do military service, you know, the, these are all kind of themes that recur again and again. And and, uh, and again, it's very interesting that so many of those new Taiwanese cinema films were, were focusing on childhood and focusing on, on on that aspect of things. And I don't know if it was filmed in the same location, but it felt like a very similar setting to Boys from Funk Um
0: Well, I think we're beginning to recognize Taiwan, aren't yeah, we?
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's not yeah, that big so a country. So much of so, uh, But certainly the, scene, yeah, the scenes where, I mean, they're younger boys, but when they're just there's all these scenes with like four boys walking on the street or walking on the beach and it's straight out of boys from kway you know and you can see you can i think watching this film one of the one of the interesting things about watching this film is you can see how the ideas were developed into these other films
0: i think we haven't seen a taiwanese film yet that doesn't have the sea and that doesn't have the mountains right and uh in when it's set in the provinces you have a similar style of housing, always going uphill or running downhill, or and I think it's a very interesting evocation of period. Again, you know, uh, a society in transition, so playing marbles and so on in the mud, and buying shoes being a big deal. yeah, but then also with comic books and records, yeah and yeah, so those things kind of uh, uh, beginning. I thought uh, the social relations amongst the boys was interesting again we're beginning to see these patterns of you know it's always gangs of boys it's yeah you very rarely get like a solitary boy on their own and they might start off solitary but at a certain point you know it's almost like you need a grouping to survive that and of course you know because of that you also see the girls in groups and you can see in this film the girls are in groups to defend themselves against sexual harassment yeah the all the kissing whenever they see them and so on. So you know there are very interesting evocations of a culture and of a period, and and of growing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the ending felt very tacked on. Yeah, uh, and again, stupid, because what the audience wants is some kind of acknowledgement of his role in his mother's death right and some kind of reconciliation with that very good stepfather and that is what you're denied it's almost as if him doing well in life now is all that the audience needs to know yeah and and
1: some resolution with the with the girl the first two sections are about 40 minutes each and then you just get like 10 minutes about the about the adult version and and, uh again it felt like an odd structure
0: yes uh and actually you feel that the film cheats you because you know that stepfather deserved better from the film. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Uh, I mean, this is it. He was, a, you know, he he. I mean, yeah. I think yeah. There's, there's an element. He I think he feels guilty because you know he 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 you know, married this much younger woman and he did it did it for selfish reasons. But he was really nice. The opening scene where the the the, the, the mother and her friend are kind of almost negotiate like, like negotiating the marriage, and the, you know the the one condition they give is they want the the son to go to college. Which I think do, doesn't happen, but that's the son's fault, really. But they, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'll do that. That's fine. And he, he's not making any unreasonable demands. He's he's very, and, and I think particularly, and it's interesting to compare this to um, *Time to Live* and *Time to Die*, where again you've got that dynamic where the older brother is is adopted, um, and in this in that case, the older brother isn't treated as well, I think. Whereas here, he's adopted, but the yeah, he, the reason he's adopted is that the father wants to give him the name and and, and treat him like his son they go out of their way to be fair to him compared to the the two brothers of the marriage and, and it, it's yeah and he just throws it back in their face <laughs> I
0: know, it does uh, very unfair also i think the film is has a kind of a narrative disjuncture because you feel that in some ways it's imbalanced right you feel that the core of the film should be about the mother and son Right, really, yeah, and their relationship. After all, the film begins with with that, right? And, you know, the mother's self-sacrifice is always at the background of that, right? That's, that's it, really, you know? Uh, and so then to get rid of her in that way just feels wrong, yeah? Yeah,
1: um, the, and the, the, the other thing that's not developed at all is the... The attitude of other people towards the boy because he's illegitimate. Because there's a scene where in the teenage station where the some girls go go round to the house, uh, and this is where they're listening to, to cheesy seventies pop music. They see the, the the wedding photograph, which is of the you know the stepfather and the mother and the son who is who is ten, and it's clearly they recognise it as a wedding photograph, and they're just saying, well, how come he's already ten on the wedding photograph? And um, and and again, it's not. Developed.
0: The film begins with that, yeah, right? The scene I, with the school teacher saying, "That's not my name. My name is this." That's yeah. the the name of the of the man my mother married. I didn't marry him. Yeah, right.
1: exactly. And, and um, it, but but again, that's not that's not developed. It's it's quite no. It's quite odd. So I think yeah, it's, I'm, I'm glad, it's it's really worthwhile film to watch, and I think particularly in the context of everything else. But you you know, it's it's not up there with. I think the thing is the script isn't up there with. Boischen Kuei or uh, Well the film, something. It, the story
0: the storytelling isn't up there with it no, either. No.
1: You so know. Uh, uh, you you know, you wonder if you know if Ho had directed it, if it would been through a couple more drafts and and you know it, and then being like from Funkwei had then been re edited by Edward Yang, which is what we also now, now, now happen. Um it, it it but but you know, as I say, my impression from the from the way it's referred to in those documentaries we watched, I think it it wouldn't surprise me if this was actually a more popular film in Taiwan than any of the others we've talked about.
0: No. Yeah. But that's an interesting thing because, you know, often when we talk about Hu Shao Shen or Edward Yang films, it's almost like uh, the discussion makes them better, yeah? That, that you have a certain experience of viewing that sometimes might not be that pleasurable, right? That you know uh you might have to push through or it feels slow or wh- but actually you know as soon as you begin to talk about it, it gets richer and richer in your mind because you can see all the connections and, yeah yeah you know and this one was very pleasurable to watch and then as soon as you begin to think about it it falls apart in your hands actually like it's just but, yeah, it gets worse and worse <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: so in a, in a way similar to something like perhaps cheerful wind or one of the
0: one of those earlier no because i i don't agree i think those films are undervalued that there's there's a different skill set to making those films but i think those are really wonderful films yeah i mean you know they're not art films they're popular films you know but i i thought you know they were delightful to see and they were delightful to talk about this was delightful to see and it just falls apart
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, but that said, I really recommend that people see it. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, the,
1: so we should say. So, the, this is now. We've, we've now. This is like Taiwanese cinema of the eighties. This is the last nineteen eighties Taiwanese film we're doing because we've done all of. We've now done all of Ho Shao Shan's films of the eighties and all of Edward Yang's films of the eighties, and we'll we'll be returning to do the nineties. Um, but we'll be diverting back onto our original subject of Egyptian cinema for, for a while. Um, so I guess we, we, you know, this is the end of season one of Ho Shan and the associated yes. context. Um, don't know but if you have we any... shall return. Yeah. Do you have any, yeah. any cl- sort of closing thoughts on the 80s as a whole in these films?
0: I mean, I think for me, it's been a revelation, really. Uh, you know, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know Taiwanese cinema. Uh, really appreciating its importance, yeah, so it's evident uh, in the films. It also made me think of uh, how um, narrow uh, my viewing habits are, even, you know, and I think they're much broader than most people's, but still, you know, you're reliant on what's available to you, and these films really hadn't come my way, and it's only you know, with the coming of movie and digital platforms, that you have access to these films. You know, so I'm very glad uh, to have seen them. I, um, I'm really, uh, so I think, I think the films are important uh, because not only do they tell you about another culture, but they are also in another form of storytelling, but also the things that you connect with. Are things that have to do with your own history and childhood and so on and actually you know those basic kind of questions of You know kind of what it is to be human really that the films I think really delve uh, into um, I Prefer who hsiao shen films to edward yang films so far even though they're both uh, dazzling uh, and I do think that the films of the two of them are far superior to anything else that we have seen. I I,
1: I think that's right, and I think because I think you,
0: partly you, you you do
1: have to wonder going into this, you know, because when you read anything about New Taiwanese cinema, you know, I always return to the Mark Cousins quote, you know, and the two best known ones were Edward Yang and Hu Shao Shan, and the most interesting of those is Hu Shao Shan, and that's all that's all he says. Um, but it, it's we've we've now had the opportunity to see, uh, obviously. Edward Yang's and Ho Sha Shen's work so far, and I, I think I would agree with your assessment on, on the two of them. Um and we've also seen not not a huge number of other eighties Taiwanese films, but quite but more than probably more than anyone else we know has seen, like more than none. But we and
0: we've, we've saw we saw a lot of films from the sixties. We saw the
1: sixties ones and we saw the we've seen the two Portmanteau films and we've we've seen growing up. I think that's the only we I don't think we've watched any other feature films.
0: Yes, than the Yang we haven't.
1: Ho-Shan's. But I think that, you know, certainly we've seen shorts directed by five other Taiwanese directors and we've seen growing up. And from that sample, I would say it's uh, not unreasonable that or it's understa- completely understandable why ho shan and Edward Yang are the two that have uh, you know, major international reputations, whereas all the, you know, all the others are perfectly good filmmakers. They're just not world, you know, legendary world-class directors. I would say.
0: Yes. Well, I feel, you know, and don't take offence, though. I'm sure you will. I feel a little. I feel a little bit like with British cinema. You know, <laughs> I would say, you know, to me, most British cinema is really only interesting to British people. Right. Like, you know, if you want to see what your streets looked like in the 1960s, you know, or the kinds of clothes your mom might have worn or, you know, that kind of thing. Fine. You know, but uh, there's very little that's great about it. Uh, and I think this is probably the case with Taiwanese cinema. You know, you have Hu Shan and Edward Yang, and then the rest will be of interest to Taiwanese people. <laughs> <laughs> So, on that, Sorry, on that uh, note. Uh, on controversial that note, <laughs> <laughs> we are thinking aloud about film. Uh, this has been our 25th episode, and we will be returning uh, with uh, uh, a continuing and fascinating discussion on uh, uh, Egyptian sh- cinema focusing on Youssef Chahin, uh, in the next episode. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> 喝细水